Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Your host, Paul Gannon, for the next hour, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, a number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash PK. Send messages to the show on Twitter at go for it can and why you're there at go for it can give me a follow g-o-f-o-r-i-t-g-a-n-t great show lined up for you today gonna talk a lot of football man talk about what we saw last week talk about what we're what I think we're gonna see this week so we'll get to that mellow in New York I kind of touched on it last week gonna add a little to it I think it's time. Um, Russell Westbrook, not an all-star starter. Who cares? But we'll get to that. Um, and, and a whole bunch of other things. We, we, we got some time here, so we're going to talk some sports. We're going to have some fun doing it. And that's what we do. Eat. And every Friday, talk sports. Have fun doing it. Let's get right down to it. Last week, well, obviously this week, Last week and in the week before, best two weeks of playoffs, Saturday, Sunday thing going on. You know how I feel about that situation. But I love it because you have that Saturday, Sunday, and, and that's always great because obviously football is on the way down. It's on the way out. Not on the way down, but it's on the way out. Only a few more weeks left. Got this week. Got the Pro Bowl. That don't count. And then you got the Super Bowl. And then all you football fans, including myself, you got to wait to – September, well, a little August, well, preseason, but you still got the draft. You've got a few other things as well. But anyway, last week was a it, just the, the first week of the NFL playoffs, a snoozer. You know, you have blowouts. You know, yeah, every game really wasn't all that close. Pretty much blowouts in in that first week of the playoffs. You know, it wasn't very exciting. Kind of boring, actually. Kind of muh, kind of muh. But anyway, it was a blowout. It wasn't fun and it wasn't exciting. But anyway, last week, last week was good, especially Sunday. I mean, you can even, I mean, the Texans and Patriot game wasn't a bad football game. The Texans gave them all they could give them. But the reality of the situation is when your quarterback is Brock Osweiler, you're going to have a tough time. And defensively, you played well. Defensively, you kept your team in the game as long as you possibly humanly could. And it just didn't have enough. I know Will Fuller missed a huge touchdown. Went right through his, his hands, right through his arms. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the Patriots are going to win. Coming, You knew the Patriots were going to win coming into that game. And they did that. I mean, it was a situation where Osweiler – 
and that Texans offense just could not do enough. And, and that's just the reality of that situation. And Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but he wasn't Brady-like with those two interceptions. He wasn't Brady-like with that 18 for 38. He was just okay. He wasn't great. But he did go up against the number one defense in the National Football League, and they created some turnovers, which created some opportunities. But again, Brock Osweiler is your quarterback. And one touchdown, three interceptions. And again, Brock Osweiler is your quarterback. So you know what happens. You know what's going down. And you know why you lost if you're the Houston Texans. But anyway, and then you look at the game before that where you had the Falcons and the, and the Seahawks, and I look at that particular football game, and, and Philip Boyd and myself, we talked about it last week. You know Philip Boyd from the haves and the have-nots. Well, we talked about it last week, and talking about it last week, it kind of went the way I thought it would go from the standpoint that that Seattle defense – albeit a very good defense, albeit a team that, you know, doesn't allow you to score a lot of points. I just thought that Atlanta offense better than that Seattle defense. And I thought that Atlanta offense would score 30-plus points. And I didn't think Seattle had the capability to score 30-plus points. And also, you look at it, give the Falcons some credit. They, They played some good defense. Their defense played very well in that game against the Seahawks. And, and, you know, they they played well. So kudos to that defense in uh, Atlanta. I mean, they really played well. And, you know, did some things to that Seattle offense. And, and, you know, did a decent job. They They did their job. They did their job, you know, forcing two interceptions on Russell Wilson, which is huge. And, you know, you're turning the ball, having to turn that football over. That's huge. That's huge. And, and that's what they got. You know, they got that. And, you know, so sacking Russell Wilson three times and, you know, getting after him a little bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a situation where you're an Atlanta team. You know, Seattle comes down, they score that first touchdown, and you're like, okay, Seattle's here. Seattle's here. And then you go, you know, you Atlanta, you know, you just rip off a bunch of points, and ultimately you have the lead at halftime 19-10. to 10. You know, you're st- continuing on in that second half, still balling, still getting it done. Then you go up 26 to 10. And at that point, you kind of knew it was a done deal. And, and then, you know, you get that touchdown by Muhammad Sanu that put him up 36 to 13. And that pretty much was a wrap at that point. But, I mean, at the end of the day, at 26 to 10, you kind of knew Atlanta was going to win that football game. And it, it, they overwhelmed that Seattle defense. They overwhelmed the Seattle defense. They had, a, as we later found out, a Richard Sherman playing with a messed up MCL. They overwhelmed the Seattle defense that did not have the services of maybe the best safety in football, Earl Thomas. That's huge. That's hard to overcome. And so when you have to overcome something like that, when you have to overcome those things, it becomes very difficult against an offense like Atlanta who really just pushes the ball down the field. They put pressure on you in all different ways. You know, they, they, Devontae Freeman on the ground. You know, obviously you have Jones, Julio Jones is huge and a big-time wideout 
Freeman did some things outside of the backfield. Devontae Freeman, you know, Gabriel gave you some things. Sanu, I mean, this offense is prolific. This offense is big time. And this offense was too, too much for that Seattle defense. And that was just the reality of the situation. That's what I expected coming into that football game. And that's what I got leaving that football game. And also, I said the key was Thomas Rawls. Thomas Rawls needed to go off the way he did against the Lions in order for the Seahawks to win this football game against the Lions. 27 carries, excuse me, 161 yards and one touchdown. Last week against the Falcons, 11 carries, 34 yards. So Rawls needed to go off. And obviously, you know, you couldn't feed Rawls. Maybe you maybe you wanted to against the, uh, against the Lions the way you did against the Lions. You couldn't feed Rawls against the Falcons because the Falcons got up on you. They got up on you. And before you know it, yes, you were up 7-0 at one point. But then you were down 19-10. And then you were down 26-10. So the Falcons got up on you. And so you almost had to abandon a run at that point in time. The Seattle defense really did not have any answers for that Atlanta Falcon offense. 400-plus total yards and a big, big victory for the Falcons. And they move on. And fortunately for them, the thought process for me coming into that game was that ultimately Atlanta would have to go through Dallas. But fortunately for Atlanta, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers stepped up, and Aaron Rodgers just did some great things. I mean, what a game. First and foremost, what a game. What a game. That's playoff football. That's what you you sit down and get your popcorn. That's why you get your popcorn. That's why you get your soda. And, and, And that's why you watch football. That was a big-time game. It was a shootout. It was a situation where as the game progressed and after the Cowboys was coming and pushing and coming on back and after they got off to a slow start, it was a game that you knew would probably come down to the team that had the ball last. Because then, and ultimately, the team that had the ball last were the Green Bay Packers. And they got up 21-3. to and then Dak and those boys got themselves back into the game 21 to 13 at half. You know, Green Bay takes that ball in the third. You know, they get a touchdown. Jared Cook, and he had a great catch near the end of that football game. But then Dallas kept coming back, you know, waiting a touchdown. Dad's a touchdown in a two point conversion. And then Mason Crosby, it became a kicker show. But Mason Crosby, he got a last opportunity, got the last chance, and he took advantage of it. 31 to 28, Bailey ties it at 31, and Crosby puts it away, 34 to 31. You look at that game, and Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers. First and foremost, Dak Prescott. Let me go to Dak Prescott for a second. Kudos to Dak Prescott. And, and I'm happy that Dak Prescott wasn't the reason that the Cowboys lost. He did his job. 302 yards, three touchdowns. He did his job. Period, point blank. He did his job. And so the reason the Cowboys lost 
wasn't because of Dak Prescott, because Dak Prescott did what Dak Prescott needed to do in order for his team, the Dallas Cowboys, to be successful. It wasn't his fault that they let a guy get behind them with 12 seconds to go in a third and 20 situation. That wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault that that defense had no answer for Aaron Rodgers. But, oh, by the way, who has had an answer for Aaron Rodgers over the past few weeks, over the, t- over the time when he said, you know what, we're running the table. After he said that, ain't nobody had an answer for Aaron Rodgers. He was big time. He was putting up big time numbers, and he's doing big time things. Here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. Talent-wise, there's not many quarterbacks that you've seen who can do the things Aaron Rodgers can do. Aaron Rodgers, to me, it's almost like a bad shot maker in the NBA. What I, what I mean by that is a Steph Curry. Some of those threes that Steph Curry makes and takes are awful. If it was anybody else other than Steph Curry, you would say bad shot. Kobe Bryant, the master of, of, a, of, a, of a great bad shot maker. Some of the shots Kobe Bryant used to take, you used to say, no, Kobe, no, Kobe, no. And then you say, yes, Kobe, yes, Kobe, yes. And then some of the passes and the throws that Aaron Rodgers makes, they're pinpoint, they're accurate, and they're from, you know, the, the, the guy, that last throw to Jericho. Ridiculous. That throw was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, buying time, buying time, and buying time, and then finds a way to find Jared Cook on the sideline there, and then finds a way to put that ball where it needed to be. Cook got his feet down. Crosby comes in. Ball game. I don't think we've seen a quarterback do the things that Aaron Rodgers does. It, it's special. It, it, it's special. I mean, maybe we've seen guys with, with more raw talent. Maybe Cam Newton. Maybe a Randall Cunningham. Maybe even a Michael Vick. I don't think we've seen it, a, a, a guy put it all together the way Aaron Rodgers has and the way Aaron Rodgers does. He puts it all together. And makes plays after plays after plays. And the reason that the Green Bay, and, and, and here's the thing, Jordy Nelson wasn't walking through that door. He was on the sideline of street clothes, but he wasn't walking through that door in the uniform. So you didn't have the services of Jordy Nelson. Oh, by the way, your running back situation, you got a converted wide receiver in Ty Montgomery. Your backs, Eddie Lacy, Starks, done, gone. And then now, now, in order for you to get to the Super Bowl, you might have to do it without the services of Devontae Adams, without the services of Jordy Nelson. Huge, huge, huge. Huge, and oh, by the way, without the services 
of Geronimo Allison, you know, who's who's filled in for you. So you might not have the services of three of your better wide receivers, and you must still find a way to get it done. We'll see if they do get it done. And just going to the Cowboys for a moment, you know, last time this team was in the divisional round, well, when they were 13-3, and three, and, and, you know, they, they lost to the Giants there in that game. That was 20 – was that 2011? I think it was 2011. You know, at the time, I don't – as the Cowboys, it felt like, okay, this was, that was a big-time blow. That was a big-time blow. You know, this was a team that wasn't a young team. And now you look at this team and you're like, okay, if you're a Cowboy fan, I think you're okay right now with with the with how the future might be. Because you look at this team now and the future might the future it might be good. It might be good. And I said 2011, it was 2007. That year they went 13 and 3 with Romo, with T.O. and those boys. But you look at it now, this is this is different. This is different from the standpoint Dak Prescott is young and growing and up and coming. Zeke Elliott, you know, a, a guy now who big time back, one of the best backs in football, he's a rookie. So Dak's a rookie. Um, Elliott's a rookie. And, of course, Des Bryant is still there doing big-time things. He's there, too. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys, the future is bright, the future is lovely, and the sun is shining on you because you have a lot of young talent that you can cultivate, that you can – I mean, that can grow and, and, and get better. Dak was great this year, but RG3 was great this rookie year, too. I think this is different, but you never know. Zeke was great this year. You know, he was great. Des, I mean, they were great. But you got to solidify that defense. You got to fix that defense if you want this team to go where you want it to go. And the reality of the situation is what? I think Green Bay is like 20th against uh, in terms of points per game and giving up points, you know, 20th in terms of giving up points per game. And, and, and Falcons, are defense isn't much better. They're in the 20s as well. So you got two teams in the 20s in terms of points per game, which is the most important metric when you're looking at the defense. And so with that being said, you know, maybe the Cowboys don't need to do too, too much to their defense, but they need to do something. Need somebody that can consistently get after the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers had probably a little too much time uh, last week. And, And so you need somebody that can, Get after the quarterback. You need that. And, and so that's what the Cowboys are going to have to do in this offseason. Find somebody that can get after the quarterback. They're, need, they're, they're going to have to improve that if they want to go where they need to go and want to go. But you got to also look at it this way, though. Look at it this way. You just – you, you just ran into a hot quarterback. It's almost running into almost like running into a hot pitcher, running running into a Madison Bumgarner. You know, it's almost like running into a hot goalie. You know, a, 
a, a big time goalie who's who's just shutting you down. And you know, it's almost like running into that. You know, it's very difficult when you run into a hot goalie and a hot pitcher. The Cowboys ran into a hot quarterback, which is running and and, and pushing this team to levels that many did not think was possible throughout the course of this season. Who, when when Aaron Rodgers said, you know, we're going to run the table, who believed him? Not many. But, man, he has made many a believer. Again, at the end of the day, if you're the Cowboys, you're happy about your year. Maybe you expected to be 13 and three, or, or you know, 12 and four, or even be in the playoffs. But you didn't expect that after Romo went down. Your your quarterback. We all know what happened when your quarterback went down last year when Kellen Moore stepped into them and then stunk it up, and Matt Castle stepped in and stunk it up. So a lot of guys stepped in. And a lot of guys stunk it up. And so you didn't necessarily believe that 13-3 was possible. If you're the Cowboys, I think 2016 was a successful year for you. I think. I'm not a Cowboys fan. But I would think it would be because I don't think you guys, being Cowboys fans, expected 13-3. You take it. And I think once you get 13-3, you know, the, the expectations change. But at the end of the day, great run by the Cowboys. But unfortunately for the Dallas Cowboys, you ran into the hotness. You ran into a hot quarterback. It's nothing worse than running into a hot quarterback, a hot pitcher, a hot goaltender. That's hard to beat. And that's what happened here. A hot team with a hot quarterback came in and willed his team to victory. Willed his team to victory. And then you got in the AFC, you know, you got the Steelers and the Patriots coming up. And then the Steelers, you know, last week beat the Chiefs. Questionable holding call on that two-point conversion there where the Chiefs could have tied the football game. Here's the thing. I thought the Chiefs were going to win that game, but also thought this and, and think this, that the Steelers would have a better opportunity to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. I don't think the Chiefs could have scored enough points. I know the Steelers can with the three Bs, Big Ben, Bell, and Antonio Bryan. And we'll get to Antonio Bryan and his misuse of Facebook Live. But, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Steelers, Patriots, Packers, Falcons. And I think if you like offense, I think you'll you'll like uh, these next two games coming up on Sunday. We'll get back to the football, but we're going to leave the football for a moment. Carmelo Anthony, the New York Knickerbockers. I mean, this was a team that I said coming into the year, if everything went right, if Noah turned back the clock, if Rose turned back the clock, and Melo continued to be Melo, that this team could make some noise in the Eastern Conference and even possibly make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Man, was I wrong. Man, was I wrong. But the New York Knicks are struggling. There's no getting around that. They are a struggling basketball team. And I said this last week, and I'm going to reiterate it this week. I know Melo has a no-trade clause in his contract. 
I know Melo is getting up there a little bit in age. 32, will be 33 at year's end. You know, the end of the basketball season, he'll be 33. May, he'll be 33. And I know he makes a boatload of money. And I know, again, he has a no-trade clause. But I think if you're the Knicks, you explore what you can explore in order to try and to find a team or a, a trade situation that is appealing to you. I think it's time for the New York Knicks. I said it before. I'll say it again. It's time to turn this over. It's time. I know Melo is still big time. I know Melo is still a big time player, still a big time scorer, but it's time. This this roster that you tried to put together, you know, with a Derrick Rose and, and a Courtney Lee and a Joe Kim Noah, you know, you tried. You tried. Phil tried. But now it's time for Phil to realize and understand that the New York Knickerbockers, the way it's presently constructed, the way they are presently constructed, they need to find a way to find a way to make some moves with this team to figure out what they can do moving forward. It's, it's, it's just time. It's time. You know, you, you try to, 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 to almost throw some Band-Aids here and some Band-Aids there, but at the end of the day, you just don't have enough Band-Aids. You know, and at the end of the day, you just got to rip it up, tear it up, and I think that starts with trying to convince your best player, Carmelo Anthony, you know, to waive his no-trade clause on some level and, and see where you can go and where you what you can get. I think what Charlie Rosen, he had that article talking about Melo. And we know about Charlie Rosen. Charlie Rosen and Phil Jackson are friends. So when you hear anonymous – when you hear anonymous, when it comes to Charlie Rosen and talking about Carmelo Anthony, you got to know on some level that Phil may have had something to do with it. I know he says, I know he says, Charlie Rosen says, they're not my thoughts. Excuse me. They're not Phil's thoughts. They are my thoughts. It was kind of hard. To it's kind of hard to believe it because if that's your boy, if that's your boy, then I, I think I think you got to find you know obviously if that if Charlie Rosen and Phil Jack, Phil Jackson are boys, obviously Phil Jackson is going to give him some stuff. That's just come on, stop, stop. So he can say all at once. That's not his, you know, that's not Phil's opinions. That's his opinions. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And again, Charlie Rosen went on and said, hey, it's understood. And, and Charlie Rosen said, you know, obviously, he, he says it's understood that Anthony would only accept being dealt to the Cavaliers or Clippers or possibly the Lakers. So if that's if that, in fact, is the case. You know, he's a ball stopper, so on and so forth. If that is the case, you know, if the Clippers, the Cavaliers, or the Lakers are the only teams that would be willing, that Melo would be willing to trade his no-trade clause for, then I guess, I mean, the Clippers, 
obviously you have to start with Blake Griffin. You wonder if the Clippers will make that move. That's another team that might have to do some things. Whether it's Blake going down or whether it's Chris Paul going down, you have to think about some things. But I look at it this way. I look at it this way. Um, If you are the Knicks and the Clippers are willing to give you a Blake Griffin, and Melo is, in fact, willing to uh, waive his no-trade clause, that's a deal you have to make. You got to do something. And I know... Blake is, has a player option and can opt out, but maybe you can sell him on New York. It is New York after all. You know, it is bright lights. It's still bright lights, big city. So it's something to think about. The Knicks, they're a mess. It, it, it's a mess. You know, Derrick Rose, whether Derrick Rose not showing off to work or whether it's mellow, you know, and that issue, Phil Jackson. I mean, Phil Jackson needs to just come out and talk. You know, say something, Phil. Say something. Say something, Phil. Say something. I mean, you know, give the man a vote of confidence on some level. You know, come out and say something. You know, you're the face of the franchise. You are the face of the franchise. They are. You are. Talk to them. Talk to them. According to reports, Bill Jackson and Melo did meet, and then Melo told him his intentions that he, in fact, wants to stay in New York City. I mean, I will say, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I said this last week, and I'll reiterate it. If Melo was about, I'm not saying Melo's not about championships. But I think Melo wants to win that championship in New York. And but then at the end of the day, you're 33 years old. You're not getting younger, so you're not going to get better. You're only going to get worse. You know that's just it. You're only going to get worse. So being that you're only going to get worse, you know I know you got Porzingis. But you need a roster. You need a team. And it's going to be very difficult to beat LeBron in them. LeBron and Kyrie, who's coming. Kevin Love. I mean, it's going to be difficult. LeBron ain't going nowhere. You know, he's not going anywhere. So being that LeBron's not going anywhere, it's going to be very difficult for the New York Knickerbockers, unless they can pull off some kind of deal, unless they can draft some kind of special player, it's going to be very difficult for the New York Knickerbockers to overcome the Cleveland Cavaliers. Bottom line, point blank. We'll see what happens with Melo and Phil. Phil, talk. Come on out, man. Tell somebody. Come out and play. You know, do you really want to work? Do you really want your job? Come on, Phil. Come on. Oh. Come on out, Phil. Phil. Come out and play! <laughs> I don't think he is. But anyway, we got the all-star starters coming up. And, you know, well, yesterday named him. And Russell Westbrook is not a starter in the Western Conference. Not a starter in the Western Conference. And... Look at it, 
And at the end of the day, you know, the media vote, the player vote, you know, that went, you know, he was, well, you look at Westbrook. He was tied with Curry Harden and points, you know. Hold on, let me read that again. Westbrook was actually tied with Curry and Harden in the points tally after finishing first in the media vote. So he's first in the media vote and the player vote and third in the fan vote. And it was the fan vote that put Russell Westbrook on the bench. Put Russell Westbrook on the bench. It was the fan vote. Nothing more, nothing less. It was the fan vote that put Russell Russell Westbrook on the bench. But at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. Because at the end of the day, he's still an all-star. At the end of the day, he's still going to play. He's still going to be there. Now, does he deserve to be a starter? Obviously. But Steph Curry's popular. Russ, uh, James Harden is popular. So you miss out. It is what it is. But he still will be playing. When we come back, we're going to go back to football, and we're going to preview this week's championship games. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not right. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Go for it. Blog Talk Radio. Talking sports. Having fun doing it. I want to go back to Westbrook's situation real quick. Uh, again, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. He's balled out. We all know he should be a starter. Doesn't matter. Again, he's going to play. He's going to be there. A snub to me is meaning you're not going to be there at all. He's still going to be there. So that's not a uh, – it's not really a snub like that. Hey. Fans voted, and the fans wanted who they wanted. And obviously, they wanted Steph Curry and James Harden to be there as starters. It is what it is. And so, why are we? Let's go back to the football now. Antonio Brown. Um. <laughs> Facebook Live. Facebook Live. You know, he's has gotten somebody else. And, and first and foremost, Facebook Live has gotten a lot of people. A lot of people. 
and you know whether it's people throwing crazy stuff on facebook live that caused them to get locked up people throwing crazy stuff on facebook live that you know maybe end the relationships i mean facebook live is evil especially when it's put into the hands of the wrong people and obviously it was put in the hands of the wrong person in antonio brown antonio brown what are you doing dude i mean i know you're happy i know you're excited and you know i know you're jubilant i know you're ecstatic you know, obviously, you want a playoff game. Obviously, you have an opportunity to go to AFC Championship game while you're in the AFC Championship game. Obviously, you have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. So I know emotions are high. I know you're excited. I know you're happy. But, dude, 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 what are you doing? Stop. This is, I mean, it, it, Here's the thing about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat, excuse me, social media in general. It's evil when it's in, in the wrong hands. The young, the restless, the naive, the lonely, the people with no friends. It's evil and awful when it's put into those hands. The people searching for attention, attention seekers. You know, you're seeking attention. And, and, and so you're on Facebook Live, so doing crazy things. So people will look at you and give you some attention, give you some love. I mean, come on. It's Facebook Live going bad, going wrong. And Antonio Brown, what are you doing? You know, Mike Tomlin called it, called it selfish. And Antonio, Antonio Brown, he did apologize. Uh, there was a tweet. He said, first, I'd like to take this opportunity to say that I'm sorry for my actions and behavior after Sunday's game. I let my emotions and genuine excitement get the best of me, and I wanted to share that moment with our fans. It was wrong for me to do against team and NFL policy, and I apologize to Coach Tomlin and my teammates for my actions. I'm sorry to them for letting it become a distraction. And something that we, that that they, excuse me, had to answer questions about while we're preparing for a big game on Sunday. You think, Antonio? You think? Why? I mean, it's just, you're in a locker room after a game, you know, sacred area, man. I mean, Mike Tomlin probably didn't want some of those things to get out. He was talking to you and your teammates. Not everybody on Facebook Live, not, not pretty much the world. I mean, you're talking, he's talking to the world now. Talking to the world. And so Mike Tomlin is none too happy. Um, the league is probably none too happy. You know, I mean, it's it's something you don't do. Some of his teammates 
not too happy. It's just something you don't do. And, you know, there are reports out there. You got an NFL executive now who's saying that maybe this may have cost Antonio Brown some money. Maybe he's on shaky ground now with the Steelers. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think, you know, I think that Antonio Brown, he's a game changer. He's a big-time weapon. He's a big-time player. You know, I think you'll you'll figure that out. I, I, I think they'll figure that out. I think obviously you got to make that work. He's Antonio Brown. He's a special player. I think they'll make that work. I think obviously he's learned a lesson. And I think you got to move forward with it. I really do. We'll see how this whole thing plays out with Antonio Brown with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But let's go to the game now. Let's go to the game. Let's go to the game. And, and so now you got a big game now with the Patriots and the Steelers. This is a rematch, just like the other game, just the Falcons and the Packers. This is a rematch of a regular season game. In that regular season game, Big Ben wasn't there. Landry Jones was your quarterback. In that game, Le'Veon Bell had 81 yards. In that game, the Steelers were in that football game for most of that game and played New England pretty tough. Granted, it was in Pittsburgh. This time it won't be in Pittsburgh. But they played them tough. Like Garrett Blunt had some success, 127 yards. Brady did have Gronk, who had some success. But he won't be there. You know? He won't be there. But again, Big Ben will. And so, and granted, this game is in Foxborough. But this is going to be an interesting football game. It's, it's difficult. Obviously, the Steelers' defense is okay, but it's not great. And you can score points against this offense. And I think the Patriots can score some points, We all, as we all see. I think Brady needs to be sharper than he was against the Texans. And I think that will happen because I don't think the Texans' defense is as good as the Steelers' defense. But I think, you know, they'll be better. Meaning, you know, I think the Steelers' defense is not as good as the Texans, but they will have Big Ben back, which helps everything. It helps, helps the whole football team. But, I mean, obviously, you know, as I look at this game, you know, it's hard to go against New England in New England. It's hard to go against Brady in New England. And I know Brady has lost before in New England. Baltimore got him a few years back in the AFC Championship game. But, I mean, Landry Jones almost had 300 yards passing against the New England Patriots. Big Ben is here. You know, Le'Veon Bell is here. Antonio Brown obviously is going to be here. But Big Ben makes a big world of difference. He really does. Having Big Ben helps. Huge. And Patriots really weren't all that sharp last week. It wasn't really a sharp. It was not really a sharp performance. The Steelers, you know, defensively, they played against the Chiefs and they play well against the Chiefs defensively. But again, this is not a great defense. You look at the Steelers. 
three low three road losses, and in those three games, they didn't score over twenty. And so, you look at the Steelers. You look at the Steelers, and I think, I think, I'm gonna do something I didn't think I was going to do. And I think I'm gonna go with the Steelers here. I think Big Ben is going to go in there, have a big-time performance. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to go in there and have a big-time performance. I think Brady, who had a level up, he wasn't that great. He was 18 for 38, two interceptions, did have two touchdowns, but he wasn't sharp, was not sharp at all. And with that, and again, I know it was against the Texans who have a very good defense, but with that being said, Brady not looking very sharp. I think, I think, I think, I think I might go with Big Ben this time. And I think the Steelers may win game. Not may. I think the Steelers will win this game. I'm going with the Steelers. I'm riding with the Steelers. 27 to 24. I think Le'Veon Bell has a big-time effort against this team. I know he had 81 yards, but it does make a difference when Landry Jones is the quarterback and not Big Ben. I like the Steelers in this one. And also, we'll see what happens. It's going to be fun, but I think the Steelers get it done. And, And this is just a hunch. Like, I don't have anything concrete for you. You know, you know, I can tell you. I mean, I can tell you a few things. I can tell you that the Steelers play very well against the, uh, the, the New England Patriots without Big Ben. I can tell you that, you know, I can tell you that. The Patriots didn't look all that sharp. I can tell you that Tom Brady wasn't all that great when he played the Steelers. I can tell you that Gronk's not there. I I can tell you all these things, but I I just have a hunch that Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go to the Super Bowl because I got a feeling that the Steelers are going to make the Super Bowl. It's not the first time I had to feel it. Okay, Steelers going. So who are the Steelers going to face? Who are the Steelers going to face? Again, a rematch of a game in the regular season. Packers 21st in points allowed. Falcons 27th. So defenses ain't going to win this game. I guess it's going to be the defense that that shines brighter. Because I don't know how bright these defenses can shine, especially with the way these quarterbacks are playing, the way these offenses are playing. I mean, Matty Ice, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions, darn near 5,000 yards. This offense in Atlanta is prolific. This offense, you know, this is an offense that, let me see, in their games, just going through their games, Buccaneers 31, 35, 45, 48, 23, 24, 30, 
32, 43, 15, 38. So this is a team in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve out of their sixteen regular season games. Twelve out of sixteen regular season games. This team has scored thirty or more. It's very close when they scored 29 against the Chiefs. So you can say 13 out of the 16 games, this team has scored darn near 30 or more. So that tells you this. That tells you this. Atlanta Falcons are probably going to score 30 points. They scored 36 last week. They're probably scoring 30 plus, plus points in this game. And last time... This game came down to the team that had the ball last. And the team that had the ball last was the Atlanta Falcons. And that's why the Atlanta Falcons won the game 33-32. to You know, yeah, Aaron Rodgers who had a big-time drive that put him up six. And then you had Matty Ice. Come on back. Ice, ice, baby. Too cold, too cold. Matty Ice doing his thing and bringing the Falcons back and putting the Falcons in position to win with a touchdown pass to Muhammad Sanu. So you look at it this way. Look at it this way. Julio Jones, he's expected to be here, expected to be okay with the foot. But then you have the Packers, Jordy Nelson, Allison, and Devontae Adams. There may be some issues on whether or not those guys are going to play. And if they play, you wonder how they'll be. So when you look at all the situations and you look at, you wonder, can the Packers overcome it one more time? Can they do it one more time? Can they keep this thing going? And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard hard to go against Aaron Rodgers. I I don't know if I can. It's difficult. It's hard. It's hard. But guess what? Guess what? As hard as it is, as hard as it is to go against Aaron Rodgers, as hard as it is to go against Tom Brady, I'm about to do it. I'm going against Aaron Rodgers at this point. I think it's just going to be too much to overcome. I think the Falcons are going to score a bunch of points. And I think the Packers are going to score a bunch of points. But I think the Falcons defense, which has been playing better, I think that Falcons defense is going to be the difference in this football game. I think their defense, and I'm saying, I'm not saying the defense is going to be going to, I'm not saying it's going to be a big time defensive effort by the Falcons. But I think they're going to give you enough defense to get you over the top and get you over the hump and get you the victory. I like the Falcons. I like the Falcons to win 35, excuse me, 38 to 28. I think the Falcons win this game. I think Maddie Ice and Atlanta Falcons get to the Super Bowl. I'll tell you what I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. It's going to be fun. A lot of fun.
Let me go now to Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, Johnny Heisman. He says that he's sober. He sent a message to ESPN's Ed Water, and he said this, quote, I refuse to let my entire life of sports from the age of four be squandered by party. I just got sick of it. One day, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror, and I realized I could really help people in the position I, I'm in. I love sports. I love football. And when you take something away from yourself, you realize it the hard way. The happiness from doing it sober has been astronomical, beyond my wildest imagination. And once that continued, other good things started happening in my life, and it just clicked. So, Johnny Manziel was sober. So he said, Johnny Manziel is going to make his first Promotional, promotional appearance, excuse me, during Super Bowl week in Texas. At some malls in Texas, Johnny Manziel says he's sober and he's ready to go. He is only 22 years old. He showed something, a level of promise. But do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that Johnny Mantel has really gotten himself right? Do you believe that Johnny Mantel is really done partying? I said 22, he's 24. Do you really think he's done partying? Do you really think he's done doing all those things? I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where I need to see it to believe it. You know, yeah, what, last year, a few months back, and, you know, his dad telling him about, you know, talking about, you know, last year, dad talking about, you know, if he don't get help, I don't know what's going to happen to this guy. He might die. And all of a sudden, Johnny's sober and ready to go. I I, I believe when I see it. But there may be an opportunity for him in the Independent Football League that's debuting in April. And they are extending invitations to Johnny Mantell, to Ray Rice, to V.Y. Vince Young. So, maybe if you're Ray Rice, this is an opportunity. I don't know why that guy won't get another opportunity. It's time. It's time. But anyway, Ray Rice, why not? Um... B.Y. Vince Young? Why not? Johnny Menzel? Why not? I mean, if you feel like and you think your NFL chances are pretty much done, or if you feel like you can go out and impress, you know, some NFL scouts with this opportunity, why not? I just don't know. I this might be Ray Rice's only opportunity to ever play football. And that's sad. That's sad to me. Again, he, 
And if they put it on himself, then you, you would still like to see the guy get another opportunity. You still would like to see it. So you wonder what's going to come with Johnny Menzo. I, it's one of those I'll see it. I got to see it to believe it. But I do think if he does, if he in fact is clean, sober, good to go, I most definitely think he gets another another opportunity. What he does with that second chance, that other opportunity, is pretty much up to him. It's going to be interesting. But I think he deserves, not deserves, not deserves, not deserves. I think Ray Rice deserves another opportunity. And maybe deserves is the wrong word. I just think he he deserves, I think he should get another opportunity. No one deserves anything, especially after what Ray Rice did. I mean, and again, I forgive him at this point, but I wasn't I wasn't involved in it. His wife has forgiven him, but again, you know, if she forgives him, then I forgive him, and that's it for me. We'll see. And before we get out of here, I got to talk about the Sixers. I got to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Clap your hands, everybody. Philadelphia 76ers. Woo! I'm a lifelong 76ers fan. I trusted the process. I trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. Joel Embiid has brought vigor. He's brought energy, vitality. He's brought everything to the Sixer team. And in the fan base and the crowd the other night against the Raptors was beautiful. Almost gave me goosebumps seeing my Sixers. Being somewhat relevant. Five and a half games out of the eighth and final spot in the Eastern Conference. Anything can happen. Say what? Say what? Anything can happen. But I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. They are losing right now to the Blazers 50 to 38 in the second quarter. But I'm excited. I am. But we'll see how it plays out. I want to thank you guys for listening to this show. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtruckradio.com slash began. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pcan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T, G-A-N-T. We'll be back next week. We'll see what happens. Steelers, Falcons, we'll be in Super Bowl 51, according to me. But we'll be back. See you later. Take care.